Hello, hello, and welcome to School Leader Soundbites, the go-to place for K-12 leaders looking to enhance their school communication strategies. I'm your host, Veronica V. Sofer, here to guide you through another insightful episode. Today, we're going to be focusing on K-12 crisis communication, the strategies, best practices. You know, this is an important, critical aspect of what we do as school communication leaders. And it includes being prepared. It includes making sure we know how to communicate, what to communicate, when to communicate. And oftentimes it can be really overwhelming. So we're going to break this process down. So let's talk about the importance of crisis communication. First of all, it's unpredictable. We know that uh, it's a non-negotiable to be prepared. Effective crisis communication can really mean the difference between chaos and calm and misinformation and clarity. It can really divide a community if we're not doing it well, or it can really unite a community if we're doing it well. So crisis communication is really the true test to how prepared we are to connect with our community in a crisis. And it's going to be important as we have this conversation to think about what you're doing in your district and what you could be doing in your district to improve that process. Because we all know that practice makes perfect and we can all use a little bit of strategy and improving whatever it is we have in place. So we're going to break it down for you. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about what we know and what the data shows. So the State of K-12 Customer Experience Report that was recently put out by K-12 Insight, which is our podcast sponsor, broke down some of these questions. It was really interesting to see that they had about 500 responses from national school and district leaders. So it included superintendents and other district leadership. And while 90% of them said that community trust was important, because it absolutely is, um, Preventing a PR crisis was listed as one of the lowest priorities with only 63% of school leaders agreeing that it was important. So there's a little bit of disparity between the trust that we all agree that we need to be successful as a school district and how important it is to prevent a PR crisis. And so let's talk about how we can narrow that gap a little bit because it's really going to be important as uh, we look at what's been happening in the K-12 space. So personally, when it comes to crises and crises in the K-12 space, for me, it's not a question of if, but when. From my experience, it doesn't matter what size your district is, where you're located, whether you're an urban district or a rural district, it doesn't matter how many students you have, you can guarantee that there will be a crisis. And how it is handled is going to determine the success of a school, school's, a school administration's tenure. Uh, because we can easily earn trust in this process or we can just as easily lose trust. And that's important when we are going to the taxpayers for maybe a bond referendum or a tax increase. So there's always implications down the line of how we handle a, a crisis, especially when we're talking about loss of life or a tragedy. So we just need to plan. From my experience, planning is key. And how we communicate that to all of our stakeholders is going to be really important. So if you're looking at your plan, there's a couple of things I want to break down for you. Developing a crisis communication plan is not just about having a plan that's on paper. It's one where everyone knows what their role is. They know what the expectation is, and they've got the end in mind. They know that we're going to debrief, that we're going to look at every aspect of the crisis, and we're going to take it apart and make sure that we know what to do next time to make it uh, less impactful on, on, on the campus or on the district in particular. So 
the first step in, in having the crisis communication plan ready to go is identifying your crisis team, establishing who is going to be on that crisis communications team. Is it your commander in chief? Is it going to be your superintendent that's going to be the spokesperson? Is it your uh, department head? Is it going to be the communications person? What if you don't have a communications person? Maybe you're in a district that doesn't have a designated position to be the PIO, your public information officer, because many of our districts don't have that position. But for districts that do, they usually have... um, someone who's trained, who has done this kind of work before, who is used to working with your emergency management folks. But for districts that maybe might be relying on the superintendent or even a principal, there are a couple of things that you need to know. First thing you need to do is make sure that that person has had some training, that they understand what the expectations are, not only from parents, but for staff and for the media in particular, and that we've got a clear process for them. In other words, there's a blueprint. We know exactly what it is that person is going to be doing. That's what we call defining the the, uh, roles that people are going to play. And then also making sure that we've done the same thing with the various scenarios. Have we defined those scenarios? Do we know on the flow chart what it's going to look like if it's a natural disaster like a tornado or a flood or, uh, you know, maybe a lightning strike because we've had that happen too. Maybe it's a, a fire that's happened or maybe there's a gas leak in the area or maybe it's a security concern. And so we're talking about um, an intruder or even a student who maybe has a firearm. Defining what those scenarios look like in our communication plan is going to be really important as we move through how we take those next steps. Sometimes people even have a chart. If it's not a flow chart, it's maybe a flip chart. And so as we prepare for our crises, knowing which scenario applies to us, sometimes there won't be a defined scenario. So we have to piecemeal together um, because we know that preparing is key, but sometimes we can't prepare for every scenario that exactly the, the way we would want to. So we will have to use a little bit of ingenuity as we are working through those different scenarios. And then when you're developing your crisis communication plan, it's going to be important that we have our communication channels identified, knowing the most effective channel for that particular crisis, disseminating information quickly and accurately. And that's going to oftentimes be determined by the type of campus, whether it's an elementary school campus or a secondary campus, or maybe it's going to be an early childhood campus, or maybe it's going to be one of our athletic facilities. They're going to have different ways that they're going to need to be communicated to based on that crisis. So maybe it's going to be text, maybe it's going to be email, or maybe it's going to be phone calls. Having those communication channels defined and knowing when you're going to use those channels is going to be really important. So as you're thinking through those scenarios, identify the types of communication channels that you might be implementing. That's going to really go a long way because in essence, what you're, what you're doing is you're streamlining it and you are helping the person that's going to be hitting, sending those communication buttons, helping them to know to which communication channels to push. Um, And those key messages are going to have to be concise. They're going to need to be clear for the different stakeholders. So parents are going to need to know one piece of information while students are going to need a different piece of information. Oftentimes staff are going to need to know all the information as well as sharing what messages you're sharing with parents so that the staff can help you reiterate. And then of course, the information that you're going to share with the media. So the, those key messages are going to need to be defined 
depending on who the target audience is. And then again, defining how we're going to communicate those messages to those different groups of people. So how you go about doing that is going to be determined by the training and the drills that you do. So regular training, regular drills, tabletop drills are going to be crucial for ensuring that everyone knows the role that they play. Here's another um, consideration. What happens if someone's out on leave? Maybe they're out on medical leave or maybe they're out sick that particular day. Having a backup person is also going to be important. So as you're thinking about those drills and you've identified maybe the principal or the assistant principal as being the person who puts together those communications and puts them out on your emergency management systems, make sure there's a backup person. And that person has the passwords because oftentimes we get tricked up when we don't have all the current passwords. and Make sure those passwords have been tested because sometimes what happens is we get onto that particular platform and it's been so long since we've logged on that those passwords have to be changed. And so quickly in a hurry, we're changing all those passwords and maybe that link is being sent to someone else on the team and we don't have access to their email. So pretty regularly checking in on all your platforms and making sure that we've got current passwords is going to be really important. There's been a couple of times where teams have been um, halted and challenged because we haven't been able to communicate quickly. So just make sure that we've got all of those things in place as part of our drilling, because we've got to be able to define those scenarios, know which communication channels we're going to be using. We know who the crisis communications person is going to be. We know what the key messages is going to be, and we've trained it regularly over and over. That's going to be really important as we are dealing with a, a crisis. But before we continue and start talking about some best practices, let's take a brief moment to thank our sponsor, K-12 Insight, for uh, supporting this amazing podcast. You know, K-12 Insight helps school districts build trust, which is what we're talking about, and developing strong relationship with the communities through superior customer service and their amazing platform, Let's Talk. It's a platform that I have used in multiple districts and it has been instrumental in making sure that we are communicating in a way that holds the staff accountable and then also gives people information in real time, especially in a crisis. So if you haven't talked to them recently about any of their products, I highly recommend you do, especially Let's Talk because it can come in handy during a crisis for sure. So if you want more information, go visit k12insight.com slash S-O-P-H-E-R and make sure you connect with them. All right, so let's get back to best practices in crisis communication. So a couple of things we're going to talk about next, transparency, timeliness, empathy, consistency, and post-crisis evaluation. Those are all really important to crisis communication. So going back to transparency, let's talk about what that looks like. Well, it's going to look different for each community because each administration, each school district has set the standard of what transparency look like, looks like. And each community has set their own expectations. So whatever those expectations are for your community, we want to make sure that we're living up to it. At the end of the day, we want this process to build trust, especially during challenging times. So if your community, if your community expects you to send out information 
repeatedly through multiple channels, do so. That's what good transparency looks like in your community, in your community. But if you are in a district where parents just expect to be told as much information as you have in a, at a certain amount of time, then honor that because we've trained our communities on how they want to be communicated to. So being transparent means that you are honoring your community's expectations about communication, especially in a crisis. And timeliness is going to be really important. It is essentially the key to your success. Being responsive as quickly as you can with what information you have is going to be best. The sooner you communicate, the less, the less room there is for rumors, because we know that rumors can really hinder what it is we're trying to do and the safety that we're trying to have on a campus, especially in a crisis. Timeliness means that you are sending information out quickly even if the answer is we don't have new information yet, but we're going to update you in the next 15 minutes, or we're going to have a press conference in the next 30 minutes. Timeliness means that you are connecting with people and reassuring them of the information that you do have, the facts, even if it means you have to reiterate. Maybe you use a statement like, as previously communicated, we are working with law enforcement to get you the latest update and always timestamp your communications. I like to start every communication with a timestamp as of 3.05 p.m., as of 3.25 p.m., as of 4.45 p.m. That way, that way parents know that you are constantly engaged with them and you are giving them the information that you have. And sometimes there is an update. And so you want to make sure that they feel confident that they're getting the latest information. So timeliness is key. And I always have to remind our administrators that empathy is going to be incredibly important, especially when there is a loss of life. Show empathy. Remember that you are addressing scared parents, scared students, and even scared staff. The more they know that you care, the better. So most of us use some boilerplate language like, Student safety is, uh, is, is our number one priority in the district. And if, if that's boilerplate information that you have, make sure you open your communications and end your communications with that. Demonstrate some empathy. Maybe you uh, want to share a resource that you've got available to them in your community, like maybe some counseling, support, some counseling support that's out there. Maybe you're working with the Red Cross or some other nonprofit to provide support. Demonstrate empathy by giving parents information and resources or even your community and making sure you're consistent. Cons consistency means that no matter what channel you're communicating on, the message is generally the same. It doesn't need to be copy and pasted the same because what's going to be appropriate for X or for Instagram might be completely different than what's appropriate for your website. But as long as the information is consistent, then you have demonstrated that you are being transparent, that you're um, responding quickly, that you're demonstrating empathy, and that no matter what channel parents are getting their information from or the community is getting their information from, that it's consistent. Make sure that you are also driving folks back to the main hub. So maybe your website is where you're giving a lot of detail. So your social media channels need to be guiding folks back to your website if that's what you're, if that's what you're doing. And I highly recommend that because you've got a little bit more control over the time stamping and you can oftentimes provide additional links. You can provide maps. You can provide a lot of other information that don't always translate as well on social media as they do on your website. 
And then post-crisis evaluation. After a crisis, you want to evaluate your response. What worked? What didn't work? Uh, what types of continuous improvements are going to be important to this process? Every time you have a crisis, you need to go back, uh, make sure that you're reviewing what worked, and make sure that you have an improvement plan that you can implement into your next drills and your next training. I like to work with our principals pretty regularly in whatever district I'm in. So every month I request time on our leadership um, trainings that we have to do some tabletop drills with our principals. And then I also make sure we drill that down to the assistant principals and at least once or twice a year with our clerical staff. You know, we can't miss an opportunity with our clerical staff or anyone answering the phone to train them on where to go for crisis communication response, on the types of information that our parents need to need, uh, need to know, and where to go for that information. Do not miss an opportunity because oftentimes I've had folks say uh, that the information on the website was great and the information we sent out, but when they called the campus, the campus didn't know what to say. And that is where we lose trust. Anytime we lose trust, we're losing an opportunity to create ambassadorship and support for our district. So make sure we're tying up all the pieces with everyone in our district. You know, I've dealt with a lot of crisis throughout my 20-some careers in, in schools. And the ones where we lose life are the ones that are hardest, especially when there is a death on a campus. I was thinking back to one of the hardest ones we dealt with when we had a suicide on the campus. And unfortunately, um, the suicide was um, uh, in the building, in a bathroom. Luckily, it was an isolated incident. Um, a firearm was used, so there were some additional security measures that we had to put in place. But one of the things that we did that was, I would say, um, most important for our students' protection and their safety is evacuating the building and making sure that the building was secure, that there were no other firearms um, on the campus. Before we had to um, have the students come back in, though, we had communicated to parents in a timely manner. We told them what to expect. We told them how we were going to be dismissing. Uh, what our bus riders were going to be experiencing, what our car riders were going to be experiencing, how the flow of traffic was going to be transitioned a little bit differently for the day. But we'd also communicated that very clearly with maps, with our media. So our media was super helpful in helping parents know how we were going to be dismissing for the day and what, what the building was going to look like. You know, one of the challenges that we hadn't practiced that we learned is that for kids that were driving, they weren't access to, they weren't able to come back into the building and access their backpacks or their purses or where they had their keys because most students didn't take their car keys with them. So we had to develop a process for allowing not only students but staff to come back into the building to get their car keys so that they could leave in their vehicles. So what we learned from that incident is that we've got to prepare for all of those different scenarios. Um, luckily, we were able to have a strong response team on the campus. So the next day, we were able to make sure that there were counselors there um, in the building, not only for our students, but for our staff, but also for some of the family members. So when it's a high-profile student who maybe was an athlete or in the fine arts, any type of loss like that can also be seriously difficult for the campus to address. So making sure that you have pulled all your resources av available to you is going to be important and then communicating that over and over and over. And I did use a tool, uh, in fact, we used Let's Talk to help parents know we had an identified button there on our home page 
that said, if your student or you need support, click here and we will able to immediately connect them to resources. So anytime there's a tragedy on campus, just know that the more often we communicate resources, the more trust that we're building with the community. They need to know that we care about our students, we care about our staff, and we're here to support them. Any type of situation, even if it in, involves loss of life or um, even if it's a natural disaster. So make sure that you are looking at your crisis communication plan, that you have practiced it, that you know exactly who's going to be doing what, when they're going to be doing it, how they're going to be doing it, and different samples and templates of your communications. And don't forget to have them ready to be translated if you need them translated, depending on your community. We're going to be working with transparency. We're going to be mindful of timeliness, demonstrating empathy. We're going to make sure that we're consistent and we're always going to make sure that we are evaluating. And anytime you can use a tool to evaluate, you'll be able to look back at your analytics and see where you've got some growth opportunities because we want to make sure that we take advantage of every crisis to learn and grow to do better for our students and for our staff. So as we wrap up, remember that effective crisis communication is a blend of preparation, clarity, and most important, empathy. So I hope you found this uh, episode helpful. Share it with your fellow educators if you did. Make sure you hit subscribe. We don't want you to miss any episode of School Leader Soundbites. And if you have any questions or topics that you'd like me to address, make sure you drop them in the comments. Reach out to us. You can always reach me on my website at veronica at veronicavsofer.com. And thank you so much for joining me on School Leader Soundbites. I'm Veronica V. Sofer, and I look forward to connecting with you again. And until then, happy communicating. <laughs>